Eufy is sponsoring today's video. They reached out to me. I tested out their video lock. It is a game changer. I'm going to paint a picture for you for why I'm so excited to work with them. So you're getting home. Your arms are loaded with groceries or packages or boxes or everything. And your keys are in your pocket. This drives me nuts. This happens all the time. I upgraded to the Eufy video lock. Fingerprint tap i'm inside and honestly i also feel way safer it's got this awesome built-in camera so whether it's a package delivery or late night uber order i see exactly who's there right from my phone there are no more mystery knocks and the best part this thing was such a breeze to set up there's no wires there's no drilling uh, there's also no monthly subscription fees so if you are done fumbling with your keys because i definitely am search for eufy video lock or head over to eufyofficial.com slash video lock your front door, your sanity. I just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. The Success Story podcast is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. The HubSpot Podcast Network has other amazing podcasts like No Straight Path, hosted by Ashley Menzies Babatunde. Now, by shedding light on the stories behind the shiny resumes, social media highlights, and job titles, No Straight Path aims to humanize success from the millennial perspective. Featuring guests from all walks of life, No Straight Path aims to inspire conversations around the nuanced perspectives of success. Now, some of these topics at home, you're going to love this show. Success is all about maximizing happiness. An interview with Esther Agbaji about finding your voice. Success is communal with Yvonne Doc Aswad. Now, if these topics are interesting to you, make sure to check out No Straight Path wherever you listen to your podcast. Today, my guest is Lloyd Lobo. He is the founder and chief executive officer currently serving on the board of Boast.ai. They are a fintech platform that has secured over $123 million in funding to automate access to billions in R&D tax credits and innovation funding for companies. He bootstrapped Boast.ai to $10 million in revenue before raising a dollar of outside capital. This is not his first rodeo. He's had several failures and successes building multiple companies along the way to Boast.ai. Outside of Boast, he has also built a community called Traction, which he's grown to over 100,000 subscribers. He's been featured in various publications, including Forbes, Fox Business, TechCrunch, VentureBeat, and many others. He's also been featured on podcasts, including notable podcasts, Entrepreneurs on Fire, Marketing School, Mixergy, and Leveling Up, featuring Eric Sue. Uh, he is a career entrepreneur. We spoke about his origin story coming out of a war-torn state, coming to Canada, coming to the U.S., the lessons that he learned about community in his journey, navigating his 
refugee process that has carried over to how he approaches entrepreneurship. Uh, we spoke about community building from a business perspective, how he's done it, why he focuses on it, why he's going to eventually be writing a book on it, why community building is so important as an entrepreneur, how to focus on community, how to build community from the ground up, examples of companies that have built community properly that you should emulate, different types of community you can build, and how you can leverage community, and why the future of successful startup and entrepreneurship is focused on community. We also spoke about mental health and well-being, why several events in his life have forced him and prompted him to take a more serious look at mental health, wellness, and well-being for himself, for his business, for his family, uh, how to optimize and prioritize your own self, health, and well-being, and why it's something that you should be doing so that you can succeed in your personal and professional life and you should be proactive about it. So a couple community building tips, some business building tips, entrepreneurship tips, mental health and well-being tips, which is important for every entrepreneur. Let's jump right into it. This is Lloyd Lobo, founder and CEO of Boast.ai. Definitely. So I think, uh, you know, one, thanks so much for having me on the show. Great show, great speakers. I'm honored. I'm humbled to have you, uh, to be here. My background, I grew up in Kuwait and I was a refugee of the Gulf War. And zooming back out some 30 years ago, I was a nine-year-old kid in Kuwait and I used to hate school, man. <laughs> I used to study last minute for every exam. And so here am I, I am, I study for a math exam last minute. I show up, it's a geography exam. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to fail. That's it, bro. <laughs> some, so, some imagine, right? You're a fourth grader or fifth grader and, and you're going to fail it. So summer rolls around every single day. I'm stressed. Like when are my parents going to find out that I failed and didn't make the next grade? One morning, my, uh, my mom wakes me up and she said, there's been a war in Kuwait and so school is canceled and we don't know what's going to happen. My first emotion was excitement. Yes, my parents are never going to find out that I failed that exam. But then when it started to sink in and I looked at the people around me, was your currency was invalid. There was no security. Everything was shut and the place had been bombed. And so I had to make, I had to make peace with myself to, you know, to internalize what all was happening. And my parents were making peace with themselves to see sort of like, you know, they didn't, they didn't want their stress projected on us. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and what I realized then was the value of community. Right. And, and it's, it's so funny. What is community really? somebody raises their hand and says, there's a problem. Who else has this problem? And you come together and you grow from there. And so there was, there was no phones, mobile, internet, nothing, right? In 1990s, right? in the 90s. And so people started going down our building and seeing, are there other people stressed out? And the conversation started and there's no security, there's no food, there's no, uh, there's no supplies. And effectively, the community would self-organize that who's going to stand down the building for security, who's going to get supplies through the sources they had. My dad was an executive chef at a hotel, so he had organized food and everything for the building. So 
the huge community got established and each building became sort of a sub-community. And effectively, the community as a whole came together to evacuate the people from that country, from war zone. And that was a phenomenal experience. I didn't even know it was, that's what it was called, community, back then as a nine-year-old. Yeah. But as we were going on these buses, refugee buses from Kuwait through Baghdad, through Jordan, uh, to, through Baghdad to Jordan to get out of the country, uh, to get out to safety. Um, and I was on this rickety bus. I looked around all the adults around me and I'm sure they were super stressed. But everyone was smiling and singing like they were going on a picnic, right? They were going on a trip. And that day, the second thing I realized this is neither the journey nor the destination, but it's the companions that matter the most. And so that formulated my life, my upbringing was from there. And then along the way, I, I finally ended up in Canada, finished engineering, then moved to the US. My girlfriend, who I dated since teens, also grew up in Kuwait, similar background, got into med school, and I worked at a number of startups that failed, I worked on a couple myself that failed. And I, and I realized one thing through those failures is that customers want an outcome. They don't want a piece of software. They want an outcome, right? And your job as a founder, as an entrepreneur, is to get them that outcome by any means possible. But really, like, startups and companies are built in phases. Phase one is validation. You get 5, 10, 20 people to try it out. Right? I have a problem, I want to try it out. Phase two is product market fit. Anytime they have that problem, they keep coming back. Phase three is product channel fit. You figure out one repeatable, scalable channel to get customers. And phase four is scale, meaning you spend 70, 80% of your time pouring fuel on the fire and you spend 20, 25% of the time trying new things that go through that same cycle. Right? So, what I realized through the failures was that, hey, even though you don't have a product at product market fit, if you build a community, you can do a bunch of things. You can get product validation because of the relationships. You can get customer feedback. You can do sales, marketing, all kinds of things. Basically, you can evangelize, right? You can, in a nutshell, create a category because you know, you may not have a product or software or product market fit. It may not be refined, but you can bring people together who share a common goal around that problem set you're solving and create a category. A perfect example is HubSpot, right? So as, a, as an engineer, as a, as a just out of school engineer, uh, first job was at a startup. I was forced to do everything, not just product, but like marketing and talk to customers, figure out what to build. Everything I learned in marketing was because back then in 2006, HubSpot had all that inbound marketing programs. So I learned so much from them. HubSpot really didn't have much of software back then. They were building the community around digital marketers, right? HubSpot made the world believe that everyone can be a marketer. And they were giving you the education. They built this community of practice. How can we make people better marketers? And if you look at 2005, six. People weren't thinking digital marketing. Very few people thinking about SEO and digital marketing. Everyone Except was sort of marketers, old. not the generalists, yeah. not the people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So a lot of the marketers back then they weren't savvy with digital. So I learned all about that. So 
So I realized that this community can help you create a category. And if you keep at it, like we talked about, if you keep building it, you can build a movement around it. Something like Nike has done, right? They've convinced the world that everyone can be an athlete. Gainsight's done that with, the, with category creation. They built a category around customer success. They created effectively customer success as a profession. If you look at 10 years ago, customer success, maybe there are a few hundred people. That couldn't have been their TAM, but they convinced the world that customer service needs to be proactive and you need to support your customers through their onboarding and entire life cycle, not only when they have pains. And today, customer success is one of the fastest growing professions. And so, you know, that uh, combination of going through the Gulf War and being a part of an experience where the community rescued a whole country and, and created a movement to looking at uh, HubSpot and Gainsight and Nike and experiencing that firsthand, I, I came to realize that, you know what? My failures happened because the companies obviously were not a product market fit. But more importantly, customers want an outcome. So if you fall in love with your customer and make them successful beyond your product or service, if you focus on just doing that, you'll build a community. And if you build a community, you won't become a commodity. And Very if you look at HubSpot, when yeah. they IPO'd, they were a billion market cap. Today, HubSpot's like close to 40 billion market cap, right? If you build a community, you won't become a commodity because people around the world, when they inter interact with your brand, they're like, this brand was around when I was nothing to help me become successful. So obviously, like 15 years later today, when we raised the Series A at Boast, we use HubSpot. I couldn't afford it before as a bootstrap founder and whatnot, right? But people realize that They've been this this brand has been a part of my journey to help me through my growth, and so then they build brand affinity. Another example is Harley Davidson. In the '80s, they almost went bankrupt. They reformulated the whole company around the ethos of community building and created writer clubs. And now Harley Davidson's valuation is seven eight billion dollars, public company, right? And Harley Davidson is a cult because of the community. And so my my biggest learnings were customers want an outcome. Make them successful beyond your product or service. If you build a community, you will never become a commodity. Everything eventually becomes commodity, man. Look at it. We're in the technology I world. Know. I know. Yesterday's That's... innovation becomes today's option and tomorrow's commodity. Navigation systems, right? It was so expensive. It was almost inaccessible some 15, 20 years ago. Then every car started having it as an option. Today, it's not even an option anymore. You, can, you have Apple CarPlay or whatever, and you can just stream it on there, right? And so, so that's why it's really important to build relationships with the people you're serving and build a community, because if you do that, you won't become a commodity. That's it. I, I, love, I love the thought process, and it makes a lot of sense to me. And you mentioned a couple different examples, and I want to highlight a few different things, because with HubSpot, they built a community first, and that's what led to their success. With Harley-Davidson, they built a community much later on when they were failing. Nike almost, I don't know if they purposefully built a community day one. I'm pretty sure at one point they were a commodity, then pivoted to the community. And I don't know, probably if I did a, a study of the history of Nike, I could pinpoint the period when they started to become more of a community and less of a commodity. But the point is, how do you, or actually, in your opinion, do you think the future of entrepreneurship should be like HubSpot, community from the get-go? 
versus just trying to scale something and then build community after the fact? So you know, I have this fundamental learning, right? Um, and also because I run a big community with traction, people come and ask me all the time, what's the new growth hack? Tell me just one channel I can spend money in to get customers. Like, you know, back in the day, Hot, Hotmail jump-started growth by putting in the signature, right? I love you. Yeah. P.S. I love you. Get your free email. At Hotmail, they got 12 million users in 18 months. And Airbnb, they did this hack where they used to cross-post to Craigslist and automatically send emails to people listing on Craigslist. So people are always asking, what's the next growth hack? And I kid you not, man, the last 12 months has been the era of community, right? Airbnb CEO changed his title uh, to CEO and head of community. Duolingo went IPO, 300 million plus global users based on community. Peloton, Canva, Notion, MailChimp, all community-minded. And people always ask me, how do I build community? And you know, I love this quote by Elon Musk. He says, right, don't reason from analogy. Just because it worked for somebody doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Reason from first principles. Boil things down to the fundamental truth. And when people ask me about community, I tell them that if you don't have the DNA of giving, meaning you don't innately get happiness from seeing others succeed, don't do community. It takes a long time. It doesn't build overnight. And, and there are 10,000 other ways to get customers from running ads to cold calling to cold emailing, sponsoring events. There's a bajillion things you could do than build community that you know will give you instant gratification. But let's say you're not ready to grow yet, right? Let's say you don't have an ideal. When are you not ready to go? grow? I think that's a very important question. I often say, if you don't have an ideal customer, meaning people don't come to your product to get a specific job done, if you're trying to serve like all kinds of uh, customer profiles, then you're serving nobody, at least in the early days, right? You, you, it's about pleasing a small group of people. So if you don't have an ideal customer, and the second thing is you have poor retention, meaning people, that ideal person doesn't come to your product anytime they want to get that job done. So if you don't have that, you shouldn't invest in growth. But what you can do is start building community to get that customer feedback, to meet people, to basically say, hey, you know what? I'm super stoked about solving this problem. These are the people impacted by this problem. Let me go and serve them to become successful. And then eventually the product comes out of it. I feel when you do that, you build stronger connections. And I fundamentally believe that the biggest companies of the future, long-lasting, enduring, enduring companies will be built on a foundation of community. So long-winded answer, but I wanted to walk through that framework a little bit, right? The HubSpots, the Gainsights, the Nikes. When you have community, people feel connected to each other, right? I think it's also important to understand what makes people tick. And this is a framework that I've borrowed here and there from and, and, and sort of borrowed different pieces from and made it my own. But I feel like to build a great community or a great company culture, it's about building people, right? Your job as a leader is to build, inspire, and motivate a team. Deliver is the lagging indicator. If you treat your people with love and help them grow, they'll treat your business with love and your business will grow. But what makes people tick? And I've come up with this framework called camper where connection 
autonomy, mastery, purpose, energy, and recognition. Now, the autonomy, mastery, purpose is a framework that Daniel Pink had. But I felt like there was, there was something fundamentally missing from that framework, which was connection, energy, and recognition. So I called it the camper framework. And if people implement camper in their companies and their communities, they'll build a, a, a team or a community of happy campers around them, a little cheesy, but uh, <laughs> happy to dive a little bit into that, right? I, I often feel like- Yeah, please go, go for it, go for it. Yeah, like working in a company should be like riding a Peloton, right? I'm a fan of, of what they've done. Yes, their stock's taking a beating right now, but the, the, the fundamentals, some of them are, are great and worth learning from, right? When you hop on a Peloton, you feel extreme connection to all the riders next to you and the instructor. There's autonomy because no one's micromanaging you. You're in charge of your destiny. There's mastery because you're constantly increasing the speed or resistance to improve, right? Get better and better. There's a great sense of purpose. What is the purpose? Better health, better well-being. You're energized, music, the instructor in front of you people around you and there's constant proactive recognition every time you complete a milestone or do x number of rides they proactively reward you recognize you right so people crave that innately if it's just autonomy mastery and purpose that's great nobody nobody wants to just go and collect a paycheck eventually they're like if two if no two paychecks uh, or if two paychecks are the same what is the greater purpose i'm serving but connection is really important Right. And, and the great resignation from the pandemic and two years of working from home has showed us that people deeply crave connection. They deeply crave energy. They deeply crave recognition or else you're just like on a hamster wheel. And so I find that having these six traits, connection, autonomy, mastery, purpose, energy and recognition and embedding those principles proactively in your company creates a flywheel of, of passionate people who are ready to conquer the world. And that yeah. is also very important in a community because most communities, the community doesn't work for you, unlike your employees. They're not collecting a paycheck. So what keeps them ticking? What keeps them cupping back week on week or month on month? What keeps them engaged? It's that camper. But you still, so I want to go into to one more point that you sort of danced around, but you didn't get into because you had spoken about, um, you know, if you don't love helping people, you don't love building people. And by the way, the camper framework, I think is completely valid and makes a lot of sense. So I just, I wanted to say like, that is something that I think is incredibly useful internally. I love that you're using it for community as well, but I still want to go back to community. Another point on that. So you mentioned if you don't love serving people and helping people, don't build community. There's other ways to build your business. But ultimately, your belief is, and we're on the same page here, that the future of business will be built around community. I think that will differentiate businesses and allow to, them to achieve levels of success that a commodity-based business would not be able to achieve easily and even more so in the future. But how do you actually, again, how, the question that everybody asks you, how do you actually build community? So say you're, say you're down for this. You, you, you subscribe to it. You do want to help people. You understand that you want to serve a community. You want to make people better than when they first found your product. And that's something that you subscribe to. You just don't know how to do it. 
So what is what is that step one for an entrepreneur that's starting a company and is like, I want to build my company on a community framework. What do I do next? Definitely. So the first thing to understand is, you know, like I went through those six steps, right? Those are the ethos yeah. you need to keep in mind because that's what people create. But then after that, you got to differentiate and understand the types of communities. There are two types of communities. One's a community of practice where you're bringing people together who share a common goal of learning about a specific field or a common passion like riding motorcycles. And then there's a community of product which is built for users to ask questions about your product, get insights and stay connected with the company. So it's really important to start with the community of practice because especially if you're not a product market fit, right? You're early on. It's important to start a community of practice. That's what HubSpot did, right? Helping people become better digital marketers or Gainsight did, elevating the profession of customer success and helping people become better customer success professionals. If you don't have a product or you're pre-product market fit, you got to build a community of practice. If you build a community of product when you're pre-product market fit and you're hawking your product all the time, people might see that as contrived, right? They're like, ah, oh, these guys are just wanting to sell me stuff. So step one is understanding what kind of community do you want to build? Do you want to build a community of practice or a community of product? And now within each of them, there are different type of sub-communities like a pool community or a hub community or and so on. One of the best ways to build a community is where there's person-to-person -person interaction, not just a one-to-many. So people within the community can interact whether or not that central figure lives or dies, right? So it's very important to have that personal-to-person. -person. But the step one is focus on building a practice community of practice to elevate that field of learning or field of passion. Number one, very important, especially if you don't have a product or your product market fit. Number two is align. You know, you need to understand the purpose, the mission, the vision, you got to write these down. And a lot of people say, man, these are bullshit things that people write on the wall. If it's bullshit, you can't build a long lasting sustainable company. Right? So for me, it's, it's funny, years ago, I wrote down my purpose, mission, vision, values, personally. And it's, it's funny, the two kind of companies that I've built, Boast and Traction, align with exactly that, right? My purpose in life is to enable innovators to change the world. Why? Every dollar spent in innovation returns 20 to the universe. Vaccines, robots, clean drinking water is a function of innovation. If you're not innovating, you're going to die. My vision is to accelerate that innovation, be the accelerant of that innovation. So then how do I do it, right? Through content, through connections, through community, to capital. So let's unpack that a little bit. To provide these innovators, one of the biggest reasons why innovators fail is they don't have access to resources. Simple, content, connections, community, capital, right? And so I create a community that provides that. And then I created Boast, to provide entrepreneurs to get access to innovation funding and government incentives, right? So those are companies I built from, from the purpose, my innate purpose. And then the last thing is, what are your values? I think it's very, very important because if you, values tell you how you behave every waking hour. Your, your mission tells you what you do every day. Your vision tells you what you will be as a result of that. Like what will the world look like, right? And then your purpose is, why do you exist? What is the forever? But your values are really important. And for me, my values are impact, passion, teamwork, right? Those are, and empathy, key things. 
And so I realized that for me, those things are so important. It's so important to have impact, impact over power and money. People who hunger for power destroy relationships. People who just focus on money make short-term decisions like the, like the Wall Street. People who focus on impact can change the world. So impact, passion, passion because, you know, I've seen oftentimes people, what they lack in experience, 10x overcompensate with passion. Teamwork because you can't win alone. You win together, you lose together. Great, great outcomes are, are, are a result of many people collaborating, not just one. And empathy. Empathy is really, really important. If you don't have empathy, you can't build good products. You can build lasting companies. And so, you know, you need to understand that, those two things. Right? What are you building? What kind of community? What, are, what is the purpose, the mission, the vision, the values? Because the thing is this, those things are important, although they're hard, because it sustains, right? You don't build something that start and stop. If you're just doing it to get something out of it, then you'll start and stop. It's important to internalize what is your purpose and so on. Then you got to figure out who is your ideal customer profile. Can I ask you something? Can I ask you something yeah. quick before before you? So how did you figure out yours? How did you figure out yours and you made sure that they sustained across both of your companies? So it's it's funny. I didn't make sure they sustained across both my companies. It's just my behaviors caused me to go in. No, no, but that means that you found that means that you found things that were valid. Or else yeah. they wouldn't have. Right? They, they wouldn't have. So, you know, I, I often tell people when you're in an interview, don't ask somebody, what do you what are you great at? What are you not great at? Just observe them. Right. Because people bullshit anyway. But when you observe them. So I often found myself, what do I love doing? Where like, even if I didn't get paid to do it and for years I didn't get paid to do it, I would keep doing. Before I started Traction, I was doing uh, community building at Startup Weekend. I used to facilitate, fly on my own dime. I ran a pre-accelerator called Startup Next. I was doing all this community support stuff every time that drove me. And the things I hated were like, you know, things that actually paid the bills, like doing financials and, and all of that stuff. So I'm like, you know what? Let me pause here for a second. Like, what am I, a missionary? What am I, right? So so then you realize, and, and, and trust me, this works, right? What are the things you procrastinate on? You should never do them. If every week you hit snooze on your Google, Google email, like I have this thing where I block either calendar times or I mark emails unread. And the things that I keep putting snooze on week. There's, there's like some stuff that's been snoozed for two years almost every week, right? Dude, like I, things I, I know I exactly doing. what you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. I have emails sitting in my inbox right now. You just said that and it's like motivated me to like just delete them and never talk because I know that I don't want to do them. <laughs> every Friday I snooze like by a week, by a week, right? Um, and so you got to realize the most important thing for a founder or any creator, let's just say it, right, is leverage. So what are the things that, you know, you're passionate about? When passion meets profession, you become Michael Jackson or Michael Jordan, right? When passion meets profession, just think about that for a second. When passion meets profession, it's not work anymore. You're Michael Jackson, man. You love dancing. You love shooting hoops, right? And so you got to find that. And for me, it was helping others. And it just didn't come innately. I think it, it, it was... My upbringing a lot to do with the Gulf War. My parents grew up in the slums in India, in Mumbai. And uh, my mom had 10 siblings. They didn't even have their bathroom. Anytime I'd go there, uh, there would be some stranger staying in their house. Because Mumbai is like the New York City of India. And I asked them, like, why do you have this stranger staying here? Like, 
why you guys don't have room and and i'd often hear that you know if you help enough people get to their destination you'll get to your destination those people may not help you but the karma comes back and so like a lot of life is what how you behave is part nature and part nurture a lot of it is part nurture right and so i'd seen that growing up and so just very naturally I would do stuff and people would tell me like, you know, throughout my career, like, what are you doing? Like volunteering here and there. Why are you like wasting it? Like, what are you doing? And then I came to a conclusion after a couple of failed startups that this is my life's mission, man. And, and this is what I like doing, right? Even now at Boast, now Boast raised a $23 million USD Series A. We did a $100 million fund to fund innovation and R&D. And all my time is spent running traction. Everything else I procrastinate on. So, so you eventually come to the conclusion, what do you love doing versus what you're okay with doing and what do you hate doing? And if you can surround yourself with people who fill your gaps so you can do what you love doing, then you'll, you'll have a happy life forever. So that's how I came up with it. <laughs> that's wise advice. So, so, so it, it tracked, it, it worked. And now you, now you live it across your companies. Okay. So next point was, uh, ICP or ideal customer profile, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I've, I've learned through my failure. So at Speakeasy, we were building a calling app for salespeople. It was funded by Bessemer and Salesforce. We launched, we got 10,000 people sign up. And as we were profiling the users, this is a calling app for salespeople. We launched 10,000 people sign up. What? 2015. You're like losing your mind. Jeez, we're going to become the next Slack. We're going to become the next Dropbox. And then I look at the customer profiles and I'm like, bro, there's butchers, bakers, and candlestick makers using this app. This company's going to fail if we don't change something, right? So Bernie Sanders was using it for election campaigning. Pastors were using, yeah, but pastors <laughs> were using it for mass service, and taxi people were using it for dispatch. I'm like, how is this a calling app for salespeople? People are just gravitating towards this app because it's a free calling app. So for months, I spent telling the team and convincing that we should shut free and make it paid. And everyone's like, no, you're a growth guy. Just get us some growth. But like, if we shut the free and we lose all these users, then investors are going to be unhappy. We're not going to raise the next round of funding. After all that fighting though, we end up shutting free and making it paid because think about it this way. If you in the early days, your job is to do things that don't scale. You know, please 10, 20, 30, 40 people, and then expand, then expand. Like, you know, that whole validation, product market fit, product channel fit, and then scale, go through that cycle. Because if you don't do that and you get tens of thousands of users, you just make it painful for yourself because these users will start churning and you don't know why, but like, you know, it's good for one profile, but it's not. The people that stuck around were all salespeople. And then we figured out like, hey, what are your pain points? And we said, okay, we finally, we finally came to a minimum feature set of, okay, before the call, we'll help them prep for the call. During the call, we'll guide them on what to say. And the worst thing is Salesforce data is unclean. So after the call, we'll automatically update their CRM. But by the time we came to that realization and we had some great pilot customers, we ran out of money. We didn't have enough traction to suit that. So I say, please, one, focus on making one person extremely happy. Pick that ideal customer profile. So at Boast, when we started, we focused on startups, helping entrepreneurs. Great mission. A lot of our competitors are like Big Four, Deloitte, and so on, and partners over there would say, oh, you guys are going to fail. Startups, like most startups fail. It's not a growing industry we'd hear this all the time go after established businesses like manufacturing and whatnot now many many years in 
you know, startups are the fastest growing and we've almost dominated that market for the startup space. But if I had listened and gone horizontal, we wouldn't have been able to build traction because we started with what is the pain of an entrepreneur? Me and my co-founder mm. failed entrepreneurs too, right? Money, but yeah. access to resources. Yeah. So we started hosting pizza nights. Now, if I invited, like, imagine this, right? Somebody Invite. invites you to a party. Yeah, so, so somebody invites you to a party. You go to the party. You don't know anyone there. You walk in. There's garbage all over. Nobody welcomes you. There's a bunch of strangers. You're going to leave. But I somebody invites you to a party. You show up. You're like, oh, man, I recognize the entrepreneurs. I recognize all the people here. We're all at the same stage. Somebody shakes your hand, introduces. You guys are in similar spaces. You listen to a talk. It's relevant to you. And then all of a sudden you feel connected, right? And that's what you can do. ICP, focusing on one kind of ICP and nailing that down brings focus. And that focus brings clarity to your messaging and uplifts everything, especially in the early days. And so we started doing pizza nights for entrepreneurs. And every time we do these pizza nights, it was like a master class, a talk followed by a mastermind, people just riffing on how they can implement it. Every time we do these pizza nights, more and more and more people would show up. Eventually, it got to a point where we, we threw one of these and there were like 200 plus people at the co-working space and the co-working space was like, you guys can't host events that big here. So <laughs> we, we ended up doing our first conference. But there's a lot of truth to it, right? If you boil this down to a framework, what is the framework? In the center is your ICP. Then you got to figure out who do they fund, meaning what tools and services they pay for. Who do they frequent, meaning what blogs, magazines, events they read, make a list of that. Who they follow? Who are the influencers? So if it's an entrepreneur, they pay for tools like Stripe and MongoDB and all of the stuff. If they um, are an entrepreneur, they read TechCrunch and VentureBeat and BetaKit maybe. And who do they uh, follow? Successful unicorn founders and VCs. So we started, we had that map of the framework. So we just invite those people there. And so then you start feeling familiar. You see TechCrunch coming to an event. You see the CEO of like Twilio at the event. And then you see other founders. And all of a sudden, people build connections. And that was so a very key step to building community. People that would have, work with people. Say, that would have all gone sideways. That would have all gone sideways if you listened to Deloitte, brought in and tried to do some sort of value event, brought in like a CEO of a manufacturing organization. You put him with some guy that just raised money in SF. And like, that's not going to build anything. He's not going to see value in the other people. Like that whole event now is never going to grow. It's never going to be valuable. And you just completely lost that feedback loop that you basically got. Exactly. Exactly. You're right. And that's the thing, right? In the early days, what brings people together is communities. What are, what are some of the oldest form of community? Your frats and your sororities. They hang out together, right? Like, you know, people people do business with people like them. They connect with people like them. And it's important to bring people together on that principle. There's so many frictions. Right? Startup is all about reducing your risk and friction. So why add more friction by adding all kinds of ICP? So that is that is the next one is like serve one audience exceptionally well. And if you look at that, then you, then you map that audience and you put who do they fund, who do they frequent, who do they follow, make a list. And, and so we were very deliberate. We'd, we'd invite all these big name speakers and we'd invite TechCrunch and VentureBeat and Forbes to come and interview them on stage. So then now, because TechCrunch is there, a bunch of entrepreneurs get to meet TechCrunch as well, right? A lot of stories came out of, out of uh, our events. The other thing is like, make sure you have a deliberate actionable goal, whatever it is. I need to get to 10,000 users, work backwards from it. 
Because what happens if you don't have a deliberate goal like that? Um, you'll, you'll not know how to get to progress. And I view everything, community, any sort of creation, right? Building a company is, is creation. Building a community is creation. Building a YouTube channel is all creation, right? You're, you're creator. You can't become successful if you don't have a goal and work backwards of it. It's not about like eating an elephant. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? So you do a little bit better every day and it compounds itself. And so it's important to have a goal, whatever. Either it can be uh, a revenue goal or an engagement goal or a number of you know, active users goal, right? So make sure you have that uh, sustainable, something, something aggressive that feels hard, but something that if you, you know, grow at a decent clip week on week, you'll hit it too with, with some effort, right? Pain is the precondition for growth, man. Like if, you know, you ever see these uh, construction workers, they're not as jacked as bodybuilders. Why? Because bodybuilders keep increasing the weight. They do progressive overload. So whatever enables you to implement progressive overload, so keep it a good, keep it sort of aggressive or challenging enough and then try to grow that. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, HubSpot. Now, while you're listening to this podcast, you're probably doing something else too. Mastering the art of working out, shaving like no one's watching. We get it. When you're having conversations with your customers, the same is probably true for them. They're IMing their teams, mentally planning date nights. So growing conversations beyond that moment can be challenging. HubSpot helps you go beyond the moment by connecting you and your teams so you can access the exact same data and see the full customer picture. What motivates them, what their expectations are, and how you can blow them out of the water. With powerful tools that connect marketing, sales, ops, and service, HubSpot's powerful CRM platform powers you and your teams to transform customer moments into extraordinary customer experiences. Learn how HubSpot can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com. And also make it a leading indicator too. Don't make it a lagging indicator for success. So whatever that metric is, if it's monthly active users or anything really, subscribers, whatever it is, try and make that a leading indicator so you can measure your success as opposed to something like revenue which if you don't understand the activities or the, the the leading indicators that are going to get you to revenue, then it's going to be confusing as to how you're actually succeeding or failing. So I think that's another uh, important point. That is a very important point. I tell all my team members that, you know what? You guys tell me what the ENPS or NPS is like three months later. I can, I can look in the crystal ball and tell you what it'll be. Why? Because I look at activities that happen every day and how they compound, right? So for example, if your goal is to build community, but you're not doing any events, then people are not going to keep showing up. So how are you going to hit that 10,000 goal? You don't have a community, then you have one event, right? Or for example, oh, sales are down this month. I don't know what happened. Well, what happened was you guys weren't doing enough activity to generate leads and you weren't at bats with enough customers in the pipeline between your you know, qualify, quantify, close stages. So you're not going to close. Oh, employee NPS is down. Yes, it is down because you hired some freaking tyrant leader or you're not transparent. People don't feel connected. They got to feel like, you know, they don't, they, they don't feel like they're part of the greater mission, right? So one of the most important things as a leader is to, like I said, build, inspire, and motivate a team to deliver. But how do you do that? Communication, transparent communication consistently is key. Going up there and stating, this is the purpose. This is how you're part of that purpose. This is what we did this week to get closer to that mission, vision. You got to keep saying that. When everyone says enough, I've heard enough, is when it's just getting started. 
because people forget, right? They have hundreds of things. They have lives, right? Um, personal lives, they have interests. So you got to keep communicating and clearly articulating that vision, mission, purpose, values to excite, inspire, motivate people. So, you know, if you're not doing that, what is going to happen? People are going to feel, you know, what's the best way to freak people out is say nothing. Say nothing. You know, if you keep talking, people get irritated, but at least you're communicating. But you want to really freak people out, say nothing. Let them work in your company for three months, say nothing. No updates, no vision, nothing. Say nothing. People get scared. They don't know if they have a job or not. You're giving, it's a silent treatment. When when your girlfriend or wife gives you the silent treatment. Yeah, something's up. Something's wrong. Something, something's up, right? And the thing is, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter if their performance is 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 good or not. It, it because you as a leader, you have to be. You have to be so. You mentioned self awareness before. You have to be so self aware because you could be busy with a thousand other things, and you could just love the work they're doing. You're just like, oh, I'm gonna let them go hands off. I'm gonna let them do their thing, and then you don't understand that their their interpretation of how you are managing them is is vastly different than your interpretation of how you're managing them. So if you don't say anything. Then they're going to be thinking, "It, I'm, am I doing okay? Maybe they hate the work I'm doing. Maybe I'm going to be fired. Whatever." You have to get out of your own head and look at your leadership style through the lens of an employee, which is, in all honesty, the only way to. There's no way to be an effective leader without over communicating, in my opinion. There's never a detriment to over communicating because we always assume that people take things a certain way. But I would say, like nine times out of ten, they're not taken the way that we think they're taken. So if you like exactly what you said, if you just say it again and again and again and again, at the very worst, people will be like, oh, my God, OK, I, I got it. Like, that's fine. I, I get it. You think I'm doing a good job or not, but at least they're clear, which is super important. Otherwise, they, they, it scares them and then they get ambiguity. job for some other people. Yeah. Ambiguity people is ambiguity. just the death of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so those things, everything has a leading indicator and a lagging indicator. If you want to be somewhat successful. And, and bring sanity to your life, write down what are the lagging indicators. Like, what is the path to get to this, right? Yeah, we need 100 sales, but like, draw the paths. Like, if we do X, Y, and Z every single day. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show, and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money, and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins, and I've been there. Juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform. Accounting, finance, the works. One data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. 
I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, 
the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work, and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Okay, then we're going to get close to them, right? So that, that is important, having that uh, aggressive goal. The other thing is nailing it and scaling it, right? It's important to be an inch wide and a mile deep. I talked earlier about focus with the customer aspect. But focus with your channel and offering is also really important. When I get asked about community, people say, oh, you know what? Maybe I should go and start an ambassador program. Oh, maybe I should do events, podcasts, content, blog, you know, maybe job board, Q&A space. They, they like get really frazzled. It's not about doing 100 things mediocre. It's about doing thing one thing that delivers value and doing it over and over and over and over again consistently well. Then you get to a point where you have a critical mass, then you can take that content and, um, and scale it in different formats. So I'll give you an example. When, when the conference stopped, we were big believers in, in IRL events, right? Uh, mm-hmm. In-person events. In I still life. believe in them because today you and I are sight and sound, right? Yeah. Anytime you incorporate more than two senses in an equation, you can build, build stronger bonds. If you and me... We're having drinks at South by Southwest and we were, you know, breaking bread, eating barbecue, having a beer and doing this over that. And then we would probably hang out for a few hours longer. Maybe go dancing. 100%. Maybe we invite yeah. more people. They build a genuine bond, right? You build stronger connections. So, you know, I, I believe in that. But when, when pandemic shut everything, I'm like, oh my God, I can't replicate this. But you know what? I'm not going to do a two-day virtual event. We're going to take those whatever 50, 100 talks we scheduled over two days, and we're going to turn it into two webinars a week. Now, we could have said, you know, a lot of people do webinars. They do one, and they, they leave it. Rain or shine, every week we do two, right? At 11 a.m. Pacific, Tuesday, Thursday, it gets sliced up, goes into the YouTube. But that enabled my – that consistency enabled our audience to increase, man. And in two years, we went from like maybe, you know, tens of thousands subscribers into like 110 plus thousand subscribers. It just grew, right? People in, I don't even know where they're coming from in some cases. Maybe they're watching the YouTube. We partner with a lot of speakers, speakers promote it. So there was consistency and it was that one hour live talk. They can ask questions. They can reference the recording. So whatever it is, pick one channel and do it consistently well, whether it's in real life events whether it's a webinar, whether it's a podcast, you said it at the beginning too. If you keep doing something long enough, you'll find success at it. I think right. that 
another point just i'm curious about your your opinion on this because you've had success with one channel whereas i have a different perspective on this and i try and do omni-channel when i try and do social and i try and do content so in your opinion would you double down on one channel first or would you try and go omni-channel test different channels see which one resonates and then double down on that or try and maintain so this is the framework. So your framework for validation is very different than framework for product market fit versus scale, right? That's mm -hmm. how I look at it. If I'm validating it, I typically, and I, and I use this for building products, everything, use like a rice score methodology, which is reach, impact, confidence, and ease, right? Reach tells you what is the TAM, what is the market size, how many people it's going to reach. Um, impact is what is the impact as a result of leveraging that channel confidence is how confident are you and ease is is it going to be like a 10-year effort one year effort one month effort and the same thing you can do in identifying your market on who to sell to right is like how big is the market how easy or hard it is for me to get to them and what is their propensity to pay well, you you framework it so in the beginning you look at two or three channels you try things and if you're seeing success you double down what's working Right. And so we, we doubled down on the webinar. Then we started turning them into YouTube because everyone asked for recordings. And I'm like, oh, everyone's asking for recordings. Now I can host it on Vistia and 10 other things, but that won't give me reach. YouTube has reach. So let's just put it on YouTube. And I saw consistently how it went from hundreds to thousands to now tens of thousands. Right. And so then now everyone's like, hey, podcast is a channel. You should test it. And so then we said, okay, we'll slice the most popular ones and we'll put it on like Spotify and Google and, and Apple, right? So there is a place for multi-channel, but it's also important when you don't have product market fit to really put small amounts on a few little things and double down where it's working. Now, if you have infinite resources and whatever the hell, but if you're That's one true. person, if you're That's one true. person then then get success where it's working and for us it was the live webinars and the live webinars were really important for us to grow our subscriber base because you know here's another realization i had communication is everything we all know right outside of standing in front of an audience on uh, every week what else can you do to communicate that people read consistently it's email email yeah. i'm I, I kid you not all my businesses email has been the biggest driver of growth Biggest deliverer of that mechanism, outbound outreach, sponsorships, ticket sales. The biggest clips are coming from email. So I'm like, what did I learn from past mistakes? What, what realization I have that email works? Email works more than promoting it on social and anywhere else. Email works. And the other thing I get with email is I, I get the person. So now I can constantly get in touch with them. So my goal was building the email base. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to double down on that. And so we started doing webinars, two a week, Zoom registration page. Everyone's familiar with Zoom. If I try something else, then who knows if they try to log in, they won't get in. We had a different webinar tool that kept failing. So we're like, okay, everyone's using Zoom. And that helped me capture the email addresses. And then people were asked the recording. We're like, okay, what's the next biggest channel? YouTube, right? I saw you have YouTube shorts on your channel. It's something that I've been meaning to explain. Uh, to experiment with as the next channel because now I feel like traction is at scale. So now let's invest 25%, right? But everything went through this phase of product market idea, validated, okay, Zoom, people are registering. Getting 500 to 1,000 registrants twice a week consistently, 
Come on, people Which are super interested. impressive for live, by the way. That's incredibly impressive for anybody who's ever tried to run a live event. That's tough. Yeah, so people are interested, right? So, okay, your product market fit. Now, maybe first two, three, four, five, 10, 20, there's some buzz, but consistently it's happening over two years. Maybe now that IRL is coming back, some of them are getting to 300, 400, but it's one email I sent, right? So, okay, it's product market fit. Now, let's test another channel. People want recordings. Everyone's like, ah, oh, recording, recording. Fine, we'll put it on YouTube. So, you know, the SEO and everything makes it better. Then we're like, okay, YouTube's getting to product market fit. We're getting eight to 10,000 views consistently per YouTube video. Okay, now let's test the podcast. That's the framework I, I do only to mentally focus is like, what is the one goal I'm trying to grow towards? And if you're building community, you want, you don't want audience. So there's a difference between audience and community, right? Audience is a one to many. Community is many to many. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you want that many to many eventually to cultivate that, then you need people's email addresses. Um, and so that was the reasoning there. Hope that made sense. It does make sense. No, it, it, this is this is a, a master class in community. So I appreciate it. Um, what were there any other steps or was that the final step on community? Because then I have I have other topics that I wanted to even go into. Um, but we can. We can. OK, I, I, I'll zip through the others. Right. I talked about okay. uh, I, I talked about uh, whatever event you do, like focus on one channel, whether it's webinar, yeah. whether it's in-person events, incorporate more than two senses as best as you can. That's why I like in-person events. Um, reward your best champions, people who come, give them free tickets, free passes, send them swag. I got like T-shirts that say I love it when you talk data to me. We ship it to almost <laughs> everyone or this hat. Right. Um, everything that can make things sticky, right? Um, showing up consistently. We talked about, I didn't talk about it in any particular order, but I, I want to make sure I summarize it really is like start with one audience practice or uh, one, one type of community practice or product. And I would recommend practice because it's around, it's about the people, not about your product. Right. And, and that resonates align around great purpose, mission, vision, values, serve one audience exceptionally well, Pick an aggressive goal, nail one channel first. You try a few things and see where you can go deep and then go deep there. Get people to that wow moment immediately, like have a good onboarding experience. When people come in, they should feel like, hey, you're shaking their hand and giving them a drink versus jumping through garbage. I talked about incorporating many senses. When you have more than uh, sight and sound, taste, touch, smell, you can build relationships, involve your community. So if you're doing events, we, we have a lot of people volunteering, like at our conference in August, I think we got something like 40, 50 people volunteering. People want a soapbox. So if you're, if you're building community and you're doing chapters, have it community led versus you hired somebody, give them a budget and give them autonomy, right? So they can run it. Everyone wants to feel like a rock star. Oh, I'm an ambassador here. And if you treat them like a donkey, then they're going to break. But if you treat them like a rock star, I'm going to give you a bunch of resources, give them stage time. The worst is you keep flying there and you run the sessions. No, have your community leader there run those sessions in that community. Right? It's, it's, it's really important to do those things. Rewarding your champions, sending them swag, etc. Showing them consistently. I talked about anything done consistently. And you said it too, right? If you keep doing it over and over, it's going to find success. And then the last thing is just measure and track. Like have some North Star metric. If it's the same people coming back or if it's more people coming, whatever it is, like have some leading indicators and lagging indicators. So that's it. Through the through your great questioning, you know, I we uncovered <laughs> that, that, that Dude, playbook. I appreciate it. Your framework is incredible. And the community, the communities that you have built are incredible. Um, 
I've never, I've always understood the importance of community. And I know that a lot of businesses try to do it, but I've never actually heard like somebody lay out the playbook for building community just like you have before. So there's something to be said for that. So th thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. Um, I've never had that on the show either. So it's very valuable. Um, and I actually didn't know we were going to go into that. So that's also, a, that's also a bonus for me. So now I, like, if you don't think I do this show and have like 10 things that I'm going to go figure out how to do tomorrow, you're kidding yourself. Like I learn <laughs> at the same time as everyone else who listens to this. So it's, it's awesome. So my, um, my, yeah. my, uh, recommendation for you is you have a great audience. You're on HubSpot's podcast network. You have a yeah. great YouTube channel. Um, you know, to take that a step further, I'm, I'm reversing into you. I started with community. Now I'm like going yeah. into sort of content creation. But see if you can build a community around it. Start doing meetups in different cities. You'll start building yeah. bonds, have ambassadors. And then, then that explodes, right? Yeah, I love that. that that's, that's what I got to do next. And that's scary as hell too. That's very scary to do when you haven't done it before, like when you haven't like done it purposefully. Because I think that, you know, maybe the first step is to do live events and get people to come out to live events, get some ambassadors to host live events. And then you can start doing in-person meetups and and schedule some of those, um, and then all of a sudden now you have you have you have presence on social, but presence on social is not as meaningful as as community by any means. Community is community is like you know with part of the it's where the money's at really. I think that's really the the best way to launch a product, launch a service, anything like that. Also change people's lives. You're not going to do that through. You know, Boast you didn't have, have a yeah. Boast was built on the back of this community, right? And that's a very yeah. interesting case study. We bootstrapped almost 10 million and then raised money on the back of this. Key hires, executives, our VCs. We met through this community, man. Our VCs came to an event we hosted. We mm -hmm. weren't even raising money because we had bootstrapped, and and they're like, it just happened. Like if you ask me one summer, are you gonna raise money? I'm like, no. And then we ended the year with 23 million USD in funding. So, um, you know, it brings, it creates a lot of opportunity, um, right? So I think building the audience is really important. And uh, you know, a lot of my focus this year is going to be LinkedIn, like building yeah. the LinkedIn audience. I, I've been taking a little bit of digital detox only. I, I went off for three months and then now I'm posting once a week, but my real focus this year is going to be building LinkedIn. But then again, how do you turn that audience into community where they're interacting with each other? One is, you know, you're the Messiah, right? Like, you're Jesus, yeah, you're yeah. Martin Luther King. But then if you bring them together, then how do they connect with each other on a common purpose? And that's, that's what you have to keep do. channeling it. That's the yeah. goal. That's really the goal. So Otherwise, I, so if I'll, you finish, yeah. it's done, right? The audience done. is done. Nobody gives a shit. You don't post again, nobody cares. Which is, that's, yeah. that's you know, you want to have an impact, any meaningful impact. You have to build something bigger than yourself, always. 100%. Always. 100%. Okay. Let's, let's, let's pivot. And then, because I know another topic that is very uh, near and dear to your heart is mental health, well-being. Um, I know that you, uh, you've you had, it's obviously, starting from a very young age, even going through the Gulf War, that's not, uh, that's not insignificant. Um, but you've had other issues, mo most recently, I guess, with COVID as well. So what's, what's, your, what's your story regarding and surrounding mental health? How is that? Why is that a topic you even want to speak about? So, you know, it's been a very rough few years and I consider myself privileged by the way, right? Because my wife's a doctor. Uh, we had a steady income while I did two failed startups. Uh, before Traction, I had another community where 
uh, one of the partners ran off with the money from the conference and changed the name of it and locked me out of my accounts. Super stressful. Had to put an injunction on him. All of this stuff, right? See, your journey as an entrepreneur is sort of like this. One day you're super excited. It's hard. It's working. You screwed up. Ah, times are getting great. I'm going bankrupt. That is life, right? Like you get hit by these curveballs and you're yeah. like super ecstatic one day. And then maybe two days in, you're like, shit, everything's failing. My customers are leaving me. It's miserable. Now you, you factor in life challenges and that makes it worse, right? Um, that makes it worse in the sense, you know, went through two failed startups. Um, we, were ha we, we were expecting twins. We lost a baby, which was unfortunate right in the middle of that. Um, then the fundraise happened. And uh, right after the fundraise, I said, we're going to celebrate. And my whole family gets COVID, which is fine. I made nothing of it. But Jan second rolls around. I wake up unable to breathe. I literally wake up unable to breathe. I, next thing you know, I'm in the hospital. I'm on oxygen. My wife has a 24-7 Zoom setup. I feel like I'm dying. I'm coughing blood. It was a miserable, 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 miserable experience. And I, and I realized life and business is a marathon. It's not a sprint. If you want to sprint, that's great. But you can't sprint for life, right? You're going to burn out. You're going to die. So how do you prepare for a marathon is very, very important. Mental health is a manifestation in many cases around uh, of physical health too, right? And, and the people you surround yourself. There's a variety of different things. And maybe I'll screen share here and I'll, and I'll show you something. Yeah, I did a, let's see. This was, I often joke with this, 2020 bootstrapped, 2021 VC backed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this, there's one picture of him, of Lloyd, like looking like in shape, in good shape. And then like the second one is like not so good shape. <laughs> <laughs> one, one I was, yeah. And, and so, you know, what had happened was the pandemic hit, uh, pandemic hit and you start double downing on doubling down on work thinking like, you know what, who knows where the world's going to go. And then the second thing is the fundraise happens, that sucks the light of you, life out of you. So I deprioritized health and that destroyed probably my immune system, right? Uh, like my, my, my family was fine. I got the gene lottery or whatever it is. So it's really important to make health a focus. And so, you know, one of the first things I did was started prioritizing physical health, right? Started working out. Pick a sport and do it regularly without fail. So I wake up now 5.36, not for anything else, but it prepares me for the day, no matter what the challenge is. Work out, do an hour of cardio. Um, it's phenomenally, like it just is just phenomenal for you. The other thing is exercise releases endorphins that calms um, stress in your brain, in your body. So, yeah. So that was very important change for me. Um, doing a little better, like lifting heavier and heavier weights, progressive overloaded compounds, eating clean, eating right. I, I fast, you know, uh, so those were good things. And as a result, my sleep also improved and sleep is very, very important. You know, when you're an entrepreneur, this whole like, ah, you have worked 120 hours a week and so on. That hustle porn, honestly, mm -hmm. it's good for a sprint. It's not good. It doesn't brace you to run a marathon. And then when all shit hits the fan, 
you're like, geez, I just want to kill myself. You need, you need to have mechanics where you're surrounding yourself with great people and you're prioritizing physical health. If you do those two things, positivity breeds positivity. If you're surrounding yourself with good people, positive energy, you're working out, you're eating right, you're sleeping well, mentally strengthens you, right? Because working out, especially if you lift heavier and heavier weights, it's pain is the precondition for growth. You get stronger, you get stronger. So I found that those changes went significantly. And, and uh, you know, I should maybe show you a picture of me now. I can't tell over here. But um, I prioritized health in a, in a massively significant way over the last little while. And it's, it's paid uh, bountiful for me, right? I don't know. That's why yeah, you're now. looking. You, so that's how you are now. So you went. So that's where. So are you better before? Are you are you better or worse before uh, before COVID? Men, mentally, physically, health wise, illness wise, everything is great. Like Austin, my whole family got allergies when they came here. I didn't get anything, right? Normally so I would. Okay. I, I, I'm 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 doing great. Um, meditation is important. I believe in it. Like you know, taking time to sit down and think and i and i what do, do that do? like what i just i just meditation? sit listen to listen listen to an app like uh headspace is really mm -hmm. good just even if it's 10 minutes man the thing is here's the thing what people don't realize they think they have to do something for hours but every hour starts with one minute just do it for one minute just get out everyone thinks they gotta go and toil in the gym and they're tired no just keep moving just keep moving life is about motion if you feel really tired just get out of your house and go for a walk just get That's up. So true. Just You'll throw, wake right up. Too. Throw, You'll wake right up. Throw, th throw this in. Listen to something. Yeah. Just get out, right? But where people defeat themselves, and and I was there too. And that's the thing, right? Like when I had COVID, um, it it just happened. Everything happened the wrong. Like you know, every 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 bad thing came together at once, and I felt suicidal, man. Like I said to myself many times in the hospital that I wish I could just kill myself right now, and it was very stressful. And I realized like. You know what's what's causing this negative energy? Let's let's remove this. Let's remove this. Put yourself in a situation that um, effectively puts you in positive light. So, what are things that put you in positive light? If you go in the mirror and look at yourself, your freaking belly is hanging out. You feel you feel shit about yourself. Oh, you ate some something bad. You're getting worse. You can't move. You feel bad about yourself. So, how do you take care of that? Just get better. Lift heavier weights every every week, every day. Every time you do that routine, just do more reps, increase more weights. Do a little more cardio. You start looking at yourself in the mirror. You're like, you know what? Like, I'm feeling healthy. I can go up and down the stairs. I couldn't go up and down the stairs six, six eight months ago, right? Like, I was running out of breath. Um, yeah. Again, you meditate, and it puts you in a better headspace, right? P positive energy. You eat right, makes you sleep well. You feel better already. The few factors. The other thing is, you know, build a support system of peers. You know, one thing I never did was I don't listen to some of my closest friends outside of work, like my family members, because they think they're doing something good for you by discouraging you to take on risk. But actually what they're doing is they're demotivating you. So surround yourself by, with supportive peers. I joined mastermind groups. Now I'm part of Ondex mastermind group. Uh, called on deck scale which is like a bunch of entrepreneurs my stage and we talk about everything from personal issues to family issues to business issues 
to growth, to mental health, to working out. We meet regularly. And that's really important because the thing is this, until I joined that mastermind group, I thought I was the only one. I thought the worst shit in the world is happening to me. I joined that mastermind group and like, you know, people have gone through divorces, people have gone through mental health challenges, fired a CEO. Yeah. Everyone has, somebody else out there already has it worse. But if yeah. they're powering through, then you need that support system, um, what you, right? That, sorry, go on. No, I was going to ask you a question. Um, I, I was also curious. I, the, so the support system, yes, I didn't, I didn't mean to diminish that point. Uh, sorry about that. I was just curious about your perspective on, on af after working with so many entrepreneurs, do you feel like a lot of people suffer from the same issues that you did? You feel like hustle porn and stuff like it's still a thing? Yeah, I think people suffer not only from the same issues, but there's another problem in tech. People are not forthcoming with their issues and they suffer in solace, right? Everyone is crushing it. If you look at TechCrunch and VentureBeat and YC and 500 startups and on deck, every, everyone is crushing it and then one day they fail. Mm -hmm. Right. Like success doesn't happen overnight. Failure also doesn't happen overnight. Everyone can't be crushing it. And one day, one day they fail. Right. So it's really, really important. The performance of a company directly tracks to the physical and mental health and well-being of the founders. So it's really, really important to take care of that. And so, you know, if you need to get a therapist or a coach, do that. I highly, highly recommend it because you don't want your, you know, if you're pissed off or you're frustrated at work, you don't want to bring that energy on your wife, your kids, your family, people who love you who don't understand it, right? So get a support system of people like join a mastermind and get a therapist or a coach, right? Go and unleash, unload there, right? Um, the other thing that I found was phenomenal for me, especially my sleep, was setting intentional boundaries of personal time. So what I did was I deleted all the apps from my phone, man, like LinkedIn and Facebook and all the work apps, right? And I did that um, after my third kid was born. Um, and I ran a two-month experiment on it, uh, and two- or three-month experiment on it. I was sleeping better. My kids used to hate it because I always had my phone. Nothing is ever urgent, right? Nothing is ever urgent. So I was at the table with the phone. Now there is no phone. I'm spending more time with family. My kids would before say, dad, we never get to see you. Now they're like, dad, we love it. You spend so much time with me. And there's another hack to that. Um, now that we're all in, in the virtual world, if you can either take a month or two off, if you can take a sabbatical, I highly encourage it to focus on yourself, like personal stuff. Like, you know, I'm, I've started to learn how to DJ. I'm taking some time off. Uh, working out, obviously, going to start parkour and dance lessons with my kid. Just whatever, however you take care of yourself personally is good stewardship to the long-term impact you can create in the world. And this is the CEO of Atlassian told me this. She took a year off, Anu Bharadwaj. She took a year off and she went into like animal rehabilitation, went to Antarctica, took care of penguins, lions, etc. Came back and became the chief operating officer at Atlassian. Because you learn, you know, you need to expand your scope beyond just work, right? It makes your brain stronger, more powerful. And so she said, like, self-care is not selfish. Uh, taking care of yourself is good stewardship towards the only way you can create positive impact in the world. And so removing these apps were a first step for me to batch things, right? Sometimes we're also real time on email, right? Batch things because I see all the social stuff at once. Then I did something very interesting. I went to Dubai and disconnected for a week. 
So what that did was, you know, you're still an entrepreneur. You're still like, oh, I got this FOMO. Jeez, like I've deleted the app, but now I got to log <laughs> onto my laptop, right? I got I got to go on my laptop and go into freaking email, the, the web app and, and the LinkedIn web app and see who messaged me. So how do you, uh, I, I am very bad at self-control and most people are, but I, I, I am the worst on the planet at self-control. So what do you do if you're bad at self-control? You change your environment. Like if you, if you, if you have a sugar addiction like me, you're not going to fill your pantry with like cookies and, and ice cream, right? Yeah, you're going to make sure it's all out of the house, of course. Yeah. So I, ha I felt like I had this, for the longest time, I was known as a machine who would respond to emails and messages in split seconds, right? So I removed those apps, but then I found myself like, yes, I was fairly disconnected. I slept better, but I found myself kept going on like the web app of LinkedIn and Google. So then... I just disconnected and went to Dubai. What that did was put me in a time zone 12 hours ahead. So nobody would email me. People would email me when I'm sleeping. And yeah. when I'm up, they're sleeping. So everything was batched. You end up becoming way more productive. And seriously, like you're, when you're not real-time responding to people on social and email, it, it, it's like watching porn in a way, right? Your brain gets this freaking dopamine yeah. hit, and Right. <laughs> And, and 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 you keep like going back for that dopamine hit. Oh, you respond. It's this model by Nir Eyal. Invite him on your show. He he has this model called Hooked, where um, there's an internal trigger or an external trigger. And the best apps they they create a habit where you have this internal trigger to keep going checking. You make an investment, you get a reward, and then you keep investing more and more time, and then it becomes a habit. And so I I just eject myself removed the apps and went to dubai for like 10 days and then i came back with like no desire to go on anything it was great because i focused on myself it improved my mental health greatly right so that mandatory like boundaries work time personal time um mandatory the other thing i talked about was learn something new is very very important you can go to master class and learn a half dozen things but like i'm learning to dj I'm uh, going to start parkour lessons with my daughter, those kinds of things. Just learn. I've learned even like editing, video editing I can do now. Like I've, I've learned to do video editing. The first several videos on our YouTube channel, I learned to do myself. Right? Like just learn something new. It expands, expands your brain. Um, you know, listen, listen to an, I hate reading. So my hack for getting knowledge is I interview two entrepreneurs a week. I learned to do all that whole production myself yeah. or, listen to an audiobook and and go for a walk and and kill two birds with one stone. And the last thing I found which is extremely fulfilling for me and it, it's in everything I do through traction and otherwise is perform acts of service and appreciation man. The joy of giving is second to none. Go and, you know, I don't know, build a house somewhere for some people or what do you, what do you do, do some now? What do you do? See, now all my time is spent with traction. We donate the profits from traction. So it goes back into the community. But like, I feel like through traction, I can raise money because people don't see it as charity. People see it as, like, there's a difference between charity and social business. And I feel social business is you're giving people value, they're paying you for that value, but then you're taking that and you're putting it back in the community. Now I'm, I'm working on a book called The Art of Community and that is expanding my learning and all the profits from that book I'm gonna donate. I like to do things to support, like spend time with people, uh, spend time building stuff. 
versus just giving money because I feel like that gives me more satisfaction because money is easy. If you have money, money is easy. If you have five bucks and uh, if you have like, you know, five, 10 bucks to spare and you give it, that doesn't do anything because you've given and you if But if you've gone and spend time with somebody, then, then that is more joyful, right? You spend time at a soup kitchen or what we've done things like that. We've um, gone like and put things together at the library for kids and whatnot. So those things are actually more important. For me, my life's mission is if I can get to a point where traction grows to a community where we can allocate uh, resources to help people from underprivileged communities or sectors to become entrepreneurs, that would be like a 50-year plan. You know, it's funny when I first That's did this. a long this, time. I a... I, you aren't giving yourself enough credit, man. That's a long yeah. ass time. You could do it That's quicker a... than that. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, one of my earliest things I wrote down was as a tagline was from bums to Bill Gates. <laughs> the first, first tagline. So uh, I, I think uh, hopefully, you know, those, so th those things, but like helping others, trust me, like people may say, I hate people. I don't have empathy. I don't want to help others. But just when you try it, you go and you help and you see smiles on other people's faces. You know, you're miserable. Everyone around you is smiling because you brought joy to their life. It's going to bring joy to your life. So those are the hacks. I, I, uh, I Not hacks, but like things I learned yeah. to improve my mental state, uh, to go from like freaking wanting to kill myself to I think I am in the best physical and mental shape I've ever been, not even as a teenager. So, you know, and, and you know, Nick Mehta, Gainsight CEO says, community is a marathon of a mind and it's very important to put your mind in top shape, right? And the things Smart you do move. and the actions you do will, uh, will cause you to behave in a positive way or a negative way, right? And it will attract more people around you. Very smart. Very, very smart. I like I like that you you put some thought into this because there's sort of two parts that you touched on that I thought were highly well, everything you've mentioned is obviously important, but the part that obviously it's important for you to actually focus on your own mental health and well being and self care because uh you will like in especially in today's society, it's very easy to burn out and to be depressed and to suffer like health repercussions from just going all in all the time. But I think that a lot of people, when they think of mental health and well-being, they think of it as, uh, oh, you know, I have to fix something in me just for me. But ultimately, investing in your own mental health, well-being, and self-care is the most, uh, the, the least self-centered thing you can do because it's going to have a positive impact on everybody you lead, everybody you engage with everything you do in your life, all the decisions you make, which those are those are very outwardly focused uh, items that you have to be aware of and cognizant of. So if you have uh, and are in the right mindset, if you aren't sick, if physically sick, if you are healthy, if you make clear decisions, if you're happy, like that's going to have business impact. That's going to have like life impact, relationship impact in a positive way. So that's another point. That's the other side of the other side of the coin, right? That you have to take a look at when you're focusing on why should I invest in this? Exactly. And you know, one of the one of the key things here also is uh, if your your family and your loved ones should never be collateral damage to your entrepreneurial mm -hmm. ventures. And that I did that often. for 
it happens so often, and I am victim to this. I did it for years. I didn't see my eight-year-old grow up. Uh, my we, we were expecting twins. One of them passed, and uh, my the other twin was uh, born four and a half months premature. And I didn't learn through all of that the importance. But you know, when I was in the hospital, COVID, the only thing I said to myself was, "Geez, I just sprint, sprint, sprint." But if I died today. My only regret was I didn't spend enough time with my kids and family, right? And so, you know, when you're on a plane, what does the air hostess or uh, the steward tell you? That if you're in a crash situation, the oxygen thing pops up, you got to put your oxygen mask first. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of the people around you. And, you know, company success, family success, all tracks to the entrepreneur, right? You can make people miserable around you or you can make people like pump. So the best thing is first pump yourself up. Okay, so let's wrap this up, and because I want to get some like I do a couple rapid fire at the end, anyways, for yeah. the for the show. Um, and but most importantly though, uh, drop uh, drop all the places people can connect with you. So like your website, your socials, uh, where they can get the book, when the book's coming out, all that stuff. So yeah, definitely. If you're looking to connect with me, Lloyd Lobo on LinkedIn. That's where I'm most active. Double L O Y E D. Lobo on LinkedIn. Also search me on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcast, and you'll find me there. Or go to YouTube and search for Traction Conf, and you'll find me there. And lastly, connect with Boast.ai, B-O-A-S-T.ai. Beauty. Okay. So let's do rapid fire. So biggest chat, you, you've already gone over some of these already, but this is how I wrap up every show, so we got to do it. Um, so biggest challenge you've had in your own personal or professional life, what was it? How'd you overcome it? What'd you learn from it? Yeah, so the biggest challenge I think I've had in my personal life was was stronger than the professional life was just dealing with COVID and realizing that I've missed eight years of my life spending time with family and I've neglected them. And and the way to overcome anything, I feel, is to jump right into it and start doing right by those people right away, right? Taking care of yourself, making yourself strong. Because my wife told me then that if you died, your kids and your family are going to be the most miserable forever. Your company will move on. And so mm-hmm. working out, putting myself in a better mental frame, eating right, sleeping well, spending deliberate time with my family, putting my phone away, removing the apps, all of that thing, all of those things were great. In the last six months, I've spent more time with my family than ever, made more trips than ever with them. And that is really, really important. That has elevated my mental state as well. Good, good. Okay. Um, If you had to choose one person, obviously there's been many, but pick one person who's had an incredible impact on your life. Uh, Who was it? What did they teach you? If, uh, you know, it's a tie, but uh, it's it's my mom and my wife, and they're both very similar in ways, and, and they taught me the value of people. Um, and, and what is interesting is people often say that you look for your mom and your wife. I don't know how far that's true. But my, my mom always told me if somebody comes and fights with you or says shit to you, just just take it and move on. You don't know what somebody else is going through. Uh, and taught me the value of community through that nurture, through her life and experiences. And the awesome thing is when I met my wife, that those were the reasons why I was attracted to her. And those two combined have had the biggest impact on my life. A book or podcast you'd recommend people go check out? So, you know, book, um, I read a lot of 
I don't read a lot of books. Right? It's very rare that I'll read a do book. You audible? I, do you like Audible or like Blinkist or whatever it is? You know what? I I invite smart people twice a week and I ask them all I mean, my burning that's, questions. That's what I do, so I can't really fault you for it. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I, audible, I audible sometimes. But there's one very fundamental book I read very early on. It was called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I've read that book many, many times. It's a quick read. Um, and I feel that that book has formulated everything for me because it's about relationship building. And it's, it's how I build community. It's how I did sales, how I got investors. A lot of that I learned from that, from that book. But there's a bunch of things always on the go that I read half and half here and there. I think Hooked by Niriel is really good. Um, Masters of Scale by Reid Hoffman. And Blitzscaling is really good if you're an entrepreneur. Um, Tape Sucks by Frank Slootman is really good. Elad Gill's High Growth Handbook is pretty good. But any number of these books, you know, the stories, um, I either interview the entrepreneurs behind them or I will read just as I'm facing a tr problem. So I'll search mm -hmm. for a specific blog post. But a really first principles, fundamentals book was, for me, especially as someone who loves building relationships, was how to win friends and influence people. That's a good recommendation. And I also love your recommendation on how to consume knowledge and how to consume um, the, the main points from these entrepreneurs. I actually, you know, not everybody has a podcast, but I always recommend, because this is what I do, when I want to actually, if I want to read a book from an author, I actually don't read the book. I try and find a podcast from that author around the time that they wrote that book or they released it because in that podcast, they're going to get rid of all the anecdotes, all the fluff, and they're going to focus on what was most important in their mind. So now you have like this 20 to 30 minute session, maybe sometimes an hour of the author just speaking about the things that were most relevant to them. So that's really what was the core theme that you should be taking out of that book because that's what the author cared about. And like the other 70 pages or 150 pages are probably just fluff that the publisher made the author write, but they don't actually care about as much. So I've always noticed that and they'll always try and highlight their main themes that they actually really, really care about. So that was another, so I like yeah, that. Yeah, that, 100%, I agree with that. And then there's like summaries on Blinkist and, and whatnot, but like yeah. that, that finding a podcast or finding um, a YouTube video and then you know, even further, if you have additional questions, invite them on your show. <laughs> yeah, that's all you got to do. <laughs> um, if you had to tell your 20-year-old self one thing, what would it be? That life and business is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Relationships transcend companies. Mm -hmm. That is the most important thing, right? So two things transcend companies, passion and relationships. Because think about it. If you're friends with people, no matter where they go, you're going to remain friends. The other thing is if you're really passionate about something, but you have a shitty boss or a shitty job, you'll go and do that thing somewhere else, right? So if I, if I had to tell my 20-year-old self, it would be life and business is a marathon. It's not a sprint, right? Do a little better every day versus trying to like cram everything in one week, which I was used to doing growing up. The other thing is life and business, uh, like sorry, uh, relationships transcend companies. And focus on your passion. Do something you really, really are passionate about. Um, just because you hate something but the world's telling you to do it doesn't mean you have to do it. You you can eventually source, outsource a lot of those things that you hate. Like, don't do the things you procrastinate on and try to freaking go and do it. I would say, and this is maybe unconventional, right? People say, no, 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 you got to force yourself to that misery and do it. 
No, you could probably outsource a lot of things. Double down on your strengths versus trying to beat yourself on the weaknesses. Double down. Mm -hmm. And the third thing is start early, man. Create. Create. It doesn't take a lot of world-changing effort to go and create something small today. Create something. The skills you learn in creation, and you know this yourself as a creator, right? Um, you're building audiences, you're learning marketing, you're learning positioning, you're learning messaging, you're learning sales. Create something and that, that you want to bring to the world. So if I would have done it sooner, I would have probably been happier. Last question. Um, what does success mean to you? Success, you know, uh, um, fame, success, all of these things are fleeting, right? The only thing that matters is relationships and the people around you. So I, my biggest proud moment, actually yesterday, I, I should have shown you this a picture or, or the actual thing, but um, we had an employee leave and he actually sent me a gift for mentoring him and a bottle and a whole bunch of things, right? And it, it, it brought sadness to me. I, I fundamentally believe people leave bad bosses and he likely had a, uh, you know, not the best boss experience or found a better opportunity. But one of my proudest moments in or realizations in life is anyone I've worked with in the past will gladly work with me again. Relationships truly transcend companies. Um, success to me just means that it's not the money in my bank, but it's the people around my tombstone when I die. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. 
card, it's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much, Indeed, for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed 
survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 